I've been looking forward to getting into foundations for quite a while, and so I want to jump right in. Can you tell it was like announcements, announcements? Okay, okay, let's get to, let's get to what we really want to talk about today. Um, as a church, we have a mission, and our mission is to build Christ-centered communities that help people to know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. And one of the ways that we do that is through helping people take next steps in their walk with God, in their relationship with God. And uh, some people might call it discipleship. Uh, sometimes we refer to it as taking your next steps with God. But here at Northwood Church, we want to continue to grow in our ability to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God. We all have a next steps, a next step. I, I don't look. I don't care if you've been saved, walking with God for 40 years. You're still growing in Christ. Come on, you're still getting to know God. He is an infinite God. His Word has so many layers to it. Right? We're still growing. And look. You haven't learned to perfectly love everyone yet, right? So you're still growing, okay? <laughs> we're, still, we're still learning how to do this. And, uh, but, but here at Northwood Church, we want to help you take those next steps and also make it clear of what that looks like. And so this, what we're teaching in this series over the next three to four months uh, collectively is uh, going to be another step in our discipleship track or our next steps track here at Northwood Church. And some of you might have remembered Foundations from years ago. Uh, we had a curriculum called Foundations that we wrote here. Well, we're kind of expanding on that. And Foundations is going to run in tandem with Freedom. So if you've been through Freedom groups, uh, this is sort of like a, a it's going to be paired with that. So one semester, someone may come and be in Freedom, and then the next semester, they'll be in Foundations. And and uh, it's one year worth of, of two steps in our discipleship track. There will be more, but um, I really believe this. I believe that if, some, if someone walks through freedom and someone walks through foundation, that they will have a sure foundation of which to, 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 they've learned how to get free, come on, live free, and then they learn how to stay free and be grounded in the word of God. And so we're excited about this. Uh, you'll you'll again, kind of get a, a bigger picture of this over the next few months, um, but this is what we're doing. And so we're very excited about it. But foundations, <clears throat> uh, today is, is week one, and it is all about discipleship, which is about learning how to follow Jesus, okay? Learning how to follow Jesus. Um, whenever we look at any, any uh, 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 construction site, right, a, a home, uh, uh, any sort of building, the most important part of that structure is the foundation, where it starts. How many of you have ever had a home where you had foundation problems, right? And all of a sudden you see that giant crack start happening or like a, a quarter of the house starts leaning or there's like a sinkhole underneath. Everything. So I don't care how beautiful you think your house is. If that foundation's, you know, sinking and, and moving, the whole house is probably going to have to be potentially redone, right? Because the foundation is not sure. It's the same thing with our lives. Our lives are all built on a foundation. It's just what that foundation is made up of. But it's also the same thing with the church. The church, and I don't mean like the physical church in regards to this building. I mean the body of Christ our foundation is scripturally Jesus Christ. And we find that in Ephesians 2.20 says, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And for us, we today don't really think much about the word cornerstone. It doesn't mean much to us. Okay, I mean like what, what there's a song called Cornerstone. Many of us, we sing the hymn, but what is a cornerstone? Well, I brought a picture for you to kind of see exactly what a cornerstone uh, looks like. 
This was actually taken from uh, some people that were on a missions trip just a couple years ago. And there was the people there at that church were building a wall and they actually started with a cornerstone, a big rock. And that rock sets, it's the strongest point. It also sets the plumb line for the direction of whatever's being built. And you can go online, you can type in cornerstone of old buildings and you'll see you know, these old buildings and you'll see this, this giant rock. And that's the picture that we have of the church, that the church is built on the rock, the cornerstone of Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, right? His ascension. The truth of the gospel is what our church is built upon, what every church is actually built upon. And so Jesus teaches us what living a life, come on, that is founded on the rock actually looks like in Matthew 5 through 7. Last year, we actually taught on the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And actually, it was the end of 21 and the beginning of 22. But if, you, you know, if you'd like to go hear uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you can go on YouTube and you can go look that up. But we talked about the way of living that Jesus uh, instruct, how he instructed us to live as followers of Christ. And so this is what it looked like uh, in Matthew 5 through 7. Verse 24 of chapter 7, it says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so Jesus is telling us, hey, listen, all the things that I just spoke to you about in Matthew 5 through 7, obviously it wasn't the book of Matthew chapters 5 through 7 back then, but for us, right? He said, if you will live this way, you are living your life well, you're living your life wisely, and you're living it according to the standards and the, and the desire of God for your life. And so that's living uh, as Jesus being the cornerstone, being the rock. And so uh, his way of living is foundational for following him. And our mission is all about helping people learn this way of living or to make disciples of Jesus, okay? But what is a disciple? Because whenever we say the word disciple, a lot of people automatically think it's just a Christian word. It's a church word. Well, the reality is, is that it's not just a Christian word. The word disciple um, is, is uh, one who's disciplined as a follower, student, and apprentice of another. Okay, that you are dis disciplined. Okay, you're disciplined in the ways, the way of living of someone else. And uh, followership has to do with willing to be led while cooperating in a group mission. Uh, student speaks about the, having the philosophical mindset of the person that they're following, the, 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 the understanding, the way that they kind of the worldview, having the worldview of that person. And uh, an apprentice of someone has to do with kind of living like they live, has to do with practice, okay? And so the reality is this, that we are all being discipled by someone or something. And, and this is sort of like the idea that we talk about with faith, how we all have faith in someone or something. It's just <laughs> whether we know it or not. Okay, you're all being discipled by someone or something. In case you didn't know this whole week, every day you were discipled by something. For most of us, it was probably something to do with our phone. <laughs> okay, what we were reading or what we were watching what we were intaking, the information that you intake, the people who influence you, they are discipling you in their way of thinking. And so we're all being discipled. It's just basically the question is by who 
or by what. And so for Christians, we are disciples of Christ, or we're supposed to be disciples of Christ, okay? So very simply, a disciple of Jesus is disciplined as a follower, student, and apprentice of Jesus. Not very complicated there. It was the same exact quote, just with Jesus in there. Okay, all right? So that's what we are. That's what we are, disciples of Christ. And um, we engage in a process called discipleship. Okay, now we're, I know we're starting very basic today. I'm saying some things that are very basic, but I want us to have the, the right understanding of these words and the right thought process of them. So we are all in a process called discipleship, and discipleship is a lifelong process of learning how to follow Jesus. So there's no arrival point. That's what I was just talking about, whether you've been saved for 40 years or 40 minutes, okay? Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or a short time, it doesn't matter. We're still all in the process of becoming more like Jesus, of following Jesus. And so, um, you know, whenever you read the Bible, you see, uh, like in Mark and any, any of the Gospels, you'll see where Jesus calls his disciples to come and follow him, all right? Uh, and there were a lot of young men, and he went to them. Uh, you know, there's a couple of them. They were fishermen in the very beginning, uh, and, and one of them's Peter, and he goes up, and, and he says, follow me. And the Bible says that they just left their nets. They just quit the family business, and they just follow Jesus. Now, in and of itself, that's a little bit awkward, okay? Sounds kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? Could you imagine you're, you're about 18, 19, 20 years old, whatever, and a guy walks up and says, hey, would you follow me? Sure. I just, I just roll out. Yeah, it's weird. Um, there's a little bit more context around that, and the context around it is that Jesus was a rabbi, okay? So he was a prestigious teacher, and people had respect for him. And in that culture, if you were a rabbi and you went to someone and you asked them to follow you, it wasn't like, hey, let's just go, ha let's just go hang out for a little bit, you know what I'm saying, or, or something weird. It was a privilege. It was an honor to be able to follow that rabbi. And so uh, it, it was an invitation. This invitation was an, an honor, and it was an invitation to <clears> – <throat> can I get some water? I, uh, I'm like, <clears throat> yesterday you should have heard me talking. I was like, yeah, everything uh, so how many people we got that are fighting something in the room today? Uh-huh. Don't look around, because then all of you hypochondriacs are like, <laughs> it's all good. We're all just singing around one another. Jesus! You know? We're all thinking it. I'll just go ahead and say it. But... So let me try this again. A rabbi's invitation was an honor that called them to learn to uh, learn the rabbi's teaching, way of living, and relationship with God. So you were, you were following this person to learn how to emulate, to imitate their life. So it wasn't a, let's just hang out for a couple of weeks. It wasn't like, hey, let's just go grab dinner. It was come follow me and learn the way that I live for you to live like I live to learn my teaching so you can go teach others the way that I taught, okay? And in the same way, we're called to that. When Jesus called you, he didn't just call you to adjust your life a little bit or to, to learn to say certain things a certain way. He called you to become a completely different person. And that's what discipleship is. It's the process of learning what that means and then learning how to live that out. 
Discipleship is the process of transformation. Now, this word right here, this is where things begin to dig deeper because it's not, again, about just learning a certain prayer. It's not just about going to a certain place at a certain time once a week, right? It's about becoming a new creation. That's what the scripture talks about, that whenever you are saved, whenever you are redeemed, whenever the blinders that the enemy has had over your eyes are removed, you are a new creation, brand new. And so now you got to learn how to relive, like learn how to live. You're like a, <laughs> our, our daughter, she's 11 years old. Don't tell her I said this, but, um, but you know, she got like long lanky legs, man, long lanky legs. You don't know how, I mean, and just, they, I don't know, they just stumble everywhere and just, like big, like shoes, big, big boots. And so she's running, she's like, poof, poof, you know, she like runs through the house. And I'm like, God, you sound like a baby giraffe learning to walk, you know, just like, <laughs> baby giraffe, they got to learn, that just popped in my head. But um, my point, the point of that was that, you know, babies, they have to learn. They have to learn how to walk. They have to learn how to eat. And, and they need to be cared for, all right? And so whenever you are born again into Christ, you must be discipled. You are starting a new life, okay? John 3 is what Jesus talked to Nicodemus about. It's not a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. But, but you, there, there's a lot of new things. That's why we talk about next steps. That's why we're doing this. It's to help people who have lived life a certain way learn how to live life differently, learn how to live in a way that pleases God. And we need to be taught those things. It's not just all innately like, you know, like Neo, you know, Matrix. It's like, I know Kung Fu. You know, it's like, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's like, no, man. We have to learn. We have to learn how to follow Jesus. And we need people to help us know how to follow Jesus, right? By the way, if any of you in this room today, if you've been following God for any amount of time, you know that you've had somebody or a group of people help you follow Jesus. There's nobody who's solo. There's nobody who's followed, followed God and learned the ways of God in their own life by themselves. No, we're all following, helping one, we're following Jesus with one another and helping and supporting one another. And so... So in this process of transformation, there are parts of us that need to be transformed in order to help us know, grow, and go. Come on, in, in order to do that. But also, there's parts of us that need to be transformed in order for us to help other people know, grow, and go. And that's a component in this series that you're going to hear a lot of. This is not just about you getting to a certain place for you. This is about you getting to a certain place so that you can help others get to a certain place, right? See, that, that's, that's a, a major component of discipleship. It's about the mission of a disciple. And so we're gonna, we're gonna dig into a lot of these areas over the next few weeks. But discipleship ultimately is surrendering to the lordship of Christ and submitting to the process of transformation. Submitting to the lordship of Christ. That's right, as a disciple of Christ, you are no longer Lord of your life. Your standards, your desires, a lot of things about you, they now have their second chair. There's somebody else who is at, on the throne and it's Jesus. So the way that he thinks, the way that he de the, his desires for you, those things matter more than what you want for yourself. Yep, the Lordship of Christ. 
in freedom, we talk about the lordship of Christ. It's a major component because if he's not your Lord, then you will not surrender to the process of transformation. You're not. You can't. There's a cost to this. We used to say it a lot. A lot of people want to become what Christians are. Like they, they want the, the peace and the joy and the, and the purpose. They want all these things, but they don't want to become who disciples are. They don't want to submit their life to it. They want both and. They want to do what they want to do. Come on. And, and then like God be okay with that. And those two things don't go together. Okay, they're, they're, and so let's, let's kind of jump into this. As a disciple of Christ, what areas of my life need transformation? Because I just said areas of our, sometimes things are very vague. It's like, man, we just need to be transformed. Yes, amen. What does that mean? Well, let's, let's peel it back a little bit. What areas of my life need transformation? Number one, my heart. My heart needs to be transformed. And this is the core of who I am. Your heart is the core of who you are. And that core part of you needs to be transformed. Ezekiel said it like this, and this is God speaking. says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A heart that, that hears the voice of God, that, that, that understands the heart of God and responds to the voice of God. A lot of people, everyone actually, is born with a heart of stone. And obviously, I'm not talking about your physical body right now. We're born, we're born with a heart of stone. Our condition, the way that we talk about this is this. We are born with a condition, and that condition is sin. We are born into sin. The Bible talks about that. A lot of us, we don't want to picture ourselves being born into sin. That's a negative thing. But for believers, that's actually a positive thing because it's true. The Bible says we're born into sin. We are apart from Christ. We are apart from God. We do not have reconciliation with him. We are not innately good. We are innately separate. Okay, we're innately bad. And this doctrine right here is, is a doctrine that many people hate. Because they're like, no, I mean, like, there's, there's goodness in us. We're made in the image of God. And I would, I would agree with you. I would agree with you, yes. But deep at the core of who we are, our heart is against God. Amen. <laughs> are you encouraged today? <laughs> if we don't start here, then what we'll jump to is just a bunch of behavior modification. So what happens is people's hearts don't change, but they want their actions to change. And so they, they put restraints on their life for about three months. And then they can't, I just can't do this. I just can't do this anymore. Christianity is very difficult if your heart has not been changed. And y'all, that's, I cannot change your heart. A lot of the things that we're talking about here, <laughs> This is not someone that's going to do this for you. This is God who has to do this in you. It starts with your heart. God wants you to give you a new heart that knows and obeys him, that's surrendered to him, that's broken before him. And new hearts will produce new responses. New hearts will produce new responses. Number two, though, is this. 
When your heart's transformed, as your heart's transformed, number two, your thoughts are transformed. And this is the way that you think. So my heart needs transformation, and then my thoughts begin to, to, to change. As my spirit man changes, now it starts bleeding into the soul part of me, right? To my mind, my will, and my emotions. And this is my thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As your, as your thinking changes, you begin to see everything differently, okay? Your worldview begins to change. As you have the mind of God, you begin to see as God sees. You begin to read the word as, as it's supposed to be read. That's why, have you guys ever talked to someone who, maybe they, they talk about the Bible and they read a verse and they begin to talk about that verse in the most negative, weird contorted type of way and you're like how did you get that out of the bible how did you see god in that light based upon that verse how did you not see him as loving as good as gracious as faithful as merciful a lot of times it has to do with what we're talking about here their heart has not been transformed therefore their mind is not being transformed their mind is being conformed to the world rather than transform into what God desire, how God desires them to think. And again, if you've walked with God any amount of time, you, you've seen this in your own life. You've experienced this. You know what we're talking about. For others of you, this might feel very foreign, right? Because what happens is we try to bring our thinking, our sinful thinking based upon our condition, our heart not being transformed. We try to like force our thinking, our worldly thinking into like a biblical format of some sort and it's incompatible right? I think about a computer, you know, when a program's not ru running properly and all of a sudden you get like, you know, and it sits there and it's just frozen or you get the spinning wheel. Something went wrong. And that's what happens sometimes in people's walks with God. They're like, this isn't compatible. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to mix sin in with holiness. It, it doesn't really, you know what I'm saying? It's not compatible. So our hearts are transformed. Our minds, the way that we think are transformed and it's to learn God's will. It said right here, uh, to discern what is the will of God. You cannot discern the will of God if you don't have the mind of God. If you're not learning to think like God thinks. Number three, our hearts are transformed. Our thoughts are being transformed. Number three is that my desires need to be transformed. Now, if you, if you can see it, you start seeing this progression taking place. Some people start here. They start with their desires. I want my desires just, to, I want to want to do good things. But I'm, I'm trying to, to make this heart that's not been transformed and, and my thinking that doesn't really make sense. It's not godly. I'm just, just, just change my desires. One time I was praying for a uh, pastor years ago and, and I said this story quite often, but I was about, I don't know, I was about 21. Yeah, I had just gotten married. And I went to a pastor's uh, retreat, and I went to play piano and sing. And um, somehow, some way, I got in the prayer line where I was praying for people. <laughs> yeah. No, I needed prayer. I didn't need to be praying. <laughs> but I'm, I'm standing there totally just awkward. And, like, and this pastor comes up and starts confiding a lot into me, a lot of information. 
that I was not ready for. I'm 21. You know, I'm just like, you're like 45, and I'm not. And, uh, and he, was, he said, man, I just, I just want God to take away the desire for these things. Just, just take it away, like, to where I don't deal with it at all. I was like, well, man, I think you might be kind of over-realizing that one. <laughs> what you're fighting, you will always fight. You know what I'm saying? Now, it's still a good prayer, and it's still something that we want our desires to change, and we will see our desires change to a certain extent. But what I'm not about to teach is that God's going to remove every sinful desire from your heart, and you're just going to, like, float through life without any sort of, you know, resistance. That's not what I'm talking about. We are going, we're in a fight, y'all, okay? So I'm not talking about God just miraculously remove all sinful desires from me and let me float through life. That's not it. However, However, there is something about our, our desires, what I want to do, that, that does change. Titus says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Slaves. Basically, you can't do what you want to do. You must do what these passions and pleasures say. Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That sounds horrible. Golly. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to your desires, to be honest, if your heart has not been transformed, therefore your, your thoughts, the way that you think, are not being transformed you don't have a chance in your desires trans being transformed. You are a slave to sin. You're a slave to it. You have no, that your will is completely conformed to those desires. And that's why you can't shake it. That's why, that's why that's, and that's why so many people give up because their desires are not being transformed. That's why I pray this prayer a lot. I pray, you know, God, don't just change what I do, change what I want to do. A lot of people jump to what I do. A lot of us as, as Christians, we look at what people do and, and we judge what they do and we're not thinking about what's going on deeper than that. To expect someone who doesn't know God, whose heart has not been transformed and is, they're not in the process of what we're talking about, to expect someone who doesn't know God to act like they do is insanity. Could you imagine whenever you were far from God, I mean, I'm talking there was nothing going on in your spirit like as far as God convicting you about anything and somebody comes up to you and tells you what you're doing is wrong and, and grieves the heart of God and God's not dealing with you. You're like, who are you again? <laughs> I don't, sometimes our expectations are off. We're, we're, we're surprised whenever, whenever our culture doesn't look like church. <laughs> We're like, we're like surprised whenever people who are haters of God actually hate God. Like, hey guys, yeah, that's, that's sort of to be expected. Don't be surprised by it. It does grieve the heart of God. It should grieve our hearts, but at the same time, I think you guys get what I'm saying. Don't just change what I do, change what I want to do. Zane Pratt said this, and it's called Six Marks of, of a Disciple of Christ. Disciples of Jesus grow to love what he loves, value what he values, and hate what he hates. Their affections are set on the things of God, and those affections grow to supersede the attractions of sin and the things of this world. Grows to supersede 
Maybe you're in the process where, where your affections, your desires for the things of the world have not, they're not being superseded by the things of God. Keep, keep struggling, keep fighting, keep moving, don't give up. The process of discipleship, which is the process of sanctification in, in a lot of ways, okay, which we're gonna be talking about in a couple of weeks. Y'all, it's not easy. It's not easy. Sure, you'll go through seasons that, that are easy. You'll go through weeks. Some people, whenever they get right with God, then everything's brand new, and it's almost like this honeymoon season, okay? It's like, wee! <laughs> and after a year, it's not as new. And a lot of times this happens. People graduate out of the basics the simple things of God, and they want the more complex things of God, not realizing that the gospel is the simple and is the complex. Everything's wrapped up in that, and so we don't graduate from that. We continue to discover the gospel. We continue to celebrate the gospel. We continue to thank God for the gospel. It's what keeps us from spiritual pride. It's what keeps us surrendered to this process because we realize that without the cross, come on, we have nothing. We're separate, we're far from God. And this is, I mean, this is what we're singing about. Going from glory to glory. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. The promises of God. You said I'm saved, you said I'm yours. Come on, I mean, we could take every lyric of every song that we just sang and we could repeat it and it would fall in line with some of the things that we're talking about right here. Being transformed. Our desires need to be transformed and they will be transformed. And our desires being transformed leads to this next thing. Notice this is the fourth thing, my behaviors. The reason that you do what you do is because you want to do what you do. <laughs> no, say it ain't so. No, 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 I know I did that, but that's not me. It's not my heart. Do you see how stupid that sounds now? <laughs> right? You did that. You, no, you said that. So what that shows is that is in your heart. You just didn't know it. Sister Peggy, years ago. Oh, oh yeah. Come on. The OGs in the church today. Like, you know, you know, Sister Peggy, she came and she taught here years ago. I was probably like eight. I have no idea. And she, uh, she one day, she had these high heels and she'd walk on those high heels and she'd teach. She's an older lady. And, uh, man, she get fired up. And uh, one day she was talking about what's in you is going to come out of you. And she had this, this glass of water. She picked it up. And she, she said, everything's going fine. Everything. She had a handheld. Everything's going fine. Everything's going fine. You know, everything's good. And she said, all of a sudden, that person says something to you. She, you know, she, she made some story up. And she, and she said, and then you get shook a little bit. And the water kind of comes out a little bit. And she's like that. And you're like, oh, 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 you know kind of hide it a little bit, you know, but, but then something else happens and you get shook and she shook more of the water before, before long. She's like all over the place. Her point was whatever's in you is going to come out of you. And so whatever's in you in those moments and it comes out, don't try to justify it. Own it and repent. Own it. That was sin, man. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. What's in you comes out of you. 
Some of you are you're processing through this week, and you're like, no. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Is there anything good in me, you know? <laughs> your behaviors follow all of these other things. And now I'm not going to say that if, if, if you're struggling through things that that means that, you're, you haven't, that your heart has not been transformed to a certain extent. I'm not, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying, see, that's what, that's what happens is whenever we focus too much on our behavior and we're focusing on that, we, we can't focus on that completely and also focus and understand the grace and the mercy of God at the same time. There, there is a beautiful tension between faith and works. There's a beautiful tension b- between, you know, being in the process of sanctification and then glorification. Pastor Casey talked about that, you know, in a great way just a couple weeks ago. We, we are in the here and now. And so I, what I don't want you to walk away from this thinking is that you are to be perfect. Um, none of us are. We know that. We know that narrative. We understand. We hear that a lot. None of us are perfect. But sometimes we say that to a detriment because then we use that to justify our horrible, horrible actions. You know? Well, I ain't perfect, you know? Bro, you literally just like beat that guy with your fist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, it's kind of extreme. I mean, we're, we're extreme. I ain't perfect. Lord's still working on me. I mean, yeah, but you're not even, you don't even feel bad about it, bro. <laughs> there's, a, there's a tension here. And so if your behaviors are, are, are way out here, the, the question that I would ask is where, and, and you don't care, the, my question is where's the conviction? Where's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that, that draws you and pulls you and points you to truth and, and, and realigns you? Where's the surrender? Where's the brokenness? Where, where is that part of you? Where sin abounds, grace abounds. Yes, but do we sin so that grace abounds? No. And then Paul just leaves it at that for us. Why? Because there's this, I'll I'll call it a gray area, but it's an area of tension. And what it does is it keeps us from judging one another. And it keeps us from hating on one another. It keeps us humble. And as a disciple of Christ, look, spiritual humility is something that you've got to learn and stay in. Never think more highly of yourself than you ought to, right? Right? It's so spiritual pride looks the, the, the really judgy people, the really judgy people, the really legalistic people. For, for many of them, they've just forgotten who they are and they've forgotten who they were. Don't forget where you were, don't forget the process you're in. And if you, if you, you know, graduate up a few levels in Christ. And you've got all of your knowledge, which is, it's good to have knowledge. It's good to grow in Christ. But, but don't forget, like, like don't, don't, don't forget where you were and don't look down on those who were here. Love them. Say, hey, man, I know exactly what you're dealing with. I was there. I was there. Because 
whenever you're in a safe place, it's a place where you can actually do biblical things like confess and be healed. But if you're not in a safe place, you're not gonna confess anything. The words of James, you can't, you can't do. You ask God for forgiveness, but you can't go to anyone for healing. And God has built it in a way where we need him for forgiveness, but we go to one another for forgiveness and heal, for healing. So let this be a safe place for people to be discipled, y'all. Can we do that? My behavior, John 14 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I don't want you to ever read this scripture like this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I think it's much better to read it like this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If your heart, if, if we have the same heart, if we think the same, if our desires are the same, come on, come on, if, if your behaviors are coming along, like it's, it's gonna be natural. That's what Jesus, I believe, said. And obedience is a response to the love of God, not an attempt to earn the love of God. God's love for you is consistent, faithful. His grace is sufficient for you. But there is a response that we have, that we must have as people to that love and to that grace. It's called obedience. Number five, as your behaviors change, guess what changes? Your relationships This is what relationships are. The way that you relate to people, how I relate to others, how I engage with people, how I treat other people, that is transformed as all these other things are transformed. How you relate to people. First Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. Let's just take that and apply that to our relationships today. Encourage people and build them up. Let's do that with one another. When the other parts of us are transformed, the way that we relate to others is transformed. Again, some people come to God for their relationships to get fixed. That's why they come. They don't really care about the heart thing. They don't really care about the thoughts thing. They don't really care about the desires things. Ah, God just fixed my marriage. Your marriage is fixed whenever you're fixed. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Whenever your, your, your thoughts about your spouse change into what God's thoughts about your spouse are, that's what starts fixing, that's what starts fixing this side, right? Now, God, fix them. Fix them, Lord. <laughs> the last thing is this, number six, my purpose. As all of these things are changed, the direction of your life is completely changed and then you begin to realize what your purpose is and it's what I live for. And so you don't live for your own desires. You don't live for your own way, your own will. You don't live for those things. There's a submission that takes place and it puts everything into order and now you actually know your purpose. Now, a lot of us, we all have different functions in our lives, okay? We have a lot of different functions whether it be, you know, we, we kind of, a lot of times we think about our careers and different things, or I'm a, I'm a husband and I'm a dad, but, but all of that comes underneath the purpose of glorifying God. What does it look like for me as a, as a disciple to, to be a father that, that glorifies God, to be a husband that glorifies God, to be a coworker that glorifies God? It orders everything under this umbrella, and now we can see clearly. It's not like I'm gonna be the type of husband that my dad was, or I'm gonna be the type of husband that my friend is. Those things don't matter, right? It's what kind of husband does God want me to be? That's the standard. 
your purpose changes. And part of your purpose is to help other people learn to follow Jesus. And again, these things that we talked about, we're going to deal in a, a certain way over the next few weeks. And so I skipped a rock over these things, but as we move through this series, you're gonna see how all of these things play out. Spiritual disciplines, the word of God, worship, prayer. We're gonna talk through all these things. And I'd encourage you to really lean in on these weeks. If you miss a week, you can catch up online because all of these things build, all of these things matter. They're foundational. Can you imagine if, you know, whenever the, the guy's building the foundation at your house, your new house, he's like, well, yeah, we went ahead and we just left the, we left the rebar out. <laughs> we just put that to the side. Yeah, we didn't put the plastic down first. A little moisture is good. <laughs> if you know anything about a foundation, that's not good, you know? And what happens in our lives, we're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm gonna, I just need the concrete. But we forgot to form it up first. So we just start dumping concrete randomly in our life, thinking that it's just gonna, it's gonna magically just coagulate and come together and somehow like be able to support everything else. Some of you, your foundation was poured really poorly and it needs to be jackhammered up, removed, you need the ground redone. You know what I'm saying? You gotta re-level. You, gotta, you, gotta, you might need to start from scratch. You know that's okay. If your foundation of, of how you see God and your discipleship, right? Learning how to follow Jesus was really messed up and, it, and, and, and you're confused. How about maybe today, we'll pray here in a second. Maybe it's like, Lord, would you just remove all this broken up concrete? Would you just clean it out, Lord, because I'm confused and, and today I need to start I need to start from scratch. Let me pray for you. God, I'm praying for each person here today. Lord, we have so many stories, we have so much experience, good, bad. But God, you are true and you are truth and you bring truth to every lie, you bring truth to every bad doctrine. Lord, your, your spirit that's in us, that's, that's here with us right now, God, you are, you are realigning some things. And God, we, right now, all of us in this room, anybody watching online right now, God, we submit to that process. We submit to your direction. And God, I'm praying that you would begin to break up the things in our lives that are not of you. God, that you would break up bad doctrine, that you would break up selfishness, that you would break up idolatry, break up self-centered living. God, right now, Lord, that heart of stone that we talked about, God, for all of us, break up that heart of stone. For some, you need a completely new heart. For others, there's a callousness around that heart. It's not as new as it once was. It's, it's, not, it, 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 it's not operating right. God, would you replace those hearts of stone with a heart of flesh to know you? God, that every condition that we have, all of us born into sin, that all of our condition God, that you would redeem it, 
that you would transform it, that God, we would not be conformed to this world, but Lord, that we would be transformed into a new creation. God, for us who have been walking around for a long time as, as believers, and God, some things are getting cold, some things are getting stale. God, would you inject new life into us? If you're far from God today, and you know that you're far from God, right here in this moment, just respond to God's call in your life. You know God's calling you out of darkness. He's calling you out of that way of living. He's calling you out of that mindset. And he says, I have something better for you. It, it, there's hope, there's a future, and the direction that you're headed are not those things. It's not hopeful, it's not peaceful. You are your own God. But today, let God be your God. Let him be Lord of your life. Let him be Savior. If that's you, just say something. Just pray to God. Say, say Lord, transform me. Change me. God, help me to begin this process of knowing you and following you. God, I thank you for the things that you're doing in our lives. I thank you for the things that you're doing in this church, in this gathering of people. God, I pray that you would continue to, to do a deep work in us. God, that you continue to, to break up fallow ground. God, we pray over the next three months as we walk through these teachings. God, I pray that you would instill something in this church. I pray that you would re-solidify the foundation of what we believe in you. And God, that for all of us together, whether we've been around a long time or we're brand new, God, that you would help us to understand your heart better, to think like you, to desire things like you do. God, to act like you desire us to act. God, we believe in, these, in, the, in what we're talking about. God, we believe that it's the better way of living. So God, help us to do that, God. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name, amen.